it is always such a privilege and honor being here, getting to speak and just share my heart. I mean, preaching is one of the things I'm most passionate about. You know, this is what God has called me to do. This is what is on my heart. And it's always just so humbling getting to share with you um, what God has placed upon my heart. I don't know about you, but 2023 was a very full year for me. I got engaged. I got married. Both of those are very large events in your life. I moved multiple times, which was not planned. Um, I was in an apartment, and it came to about June. I'm getting married in September. I get the renewal letter. Now, I only had a nine-month lease. I'm like, you know, I'll just go month to month. It'll be a little bit more. I'll be fine. I just got two or three months to a wedding. I get this renewal letter. I look at it, and they're like, well, if you want to go month to month, it's going to be about 400 and something more a month. I said, well, that's not going to work. I don't want to spend that much. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pay for a wedding. I'm not spending 400 more on an apartment. So I'm like, hey, mom, you want some company? <laughs> moved home for two months. It is weird when you've lived by yourself and you move home. There's like an entire new routine. But it all worked out good. But yeah, 2023 was a big year. And yeah, but now we're beginning 2024. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Some of you? Okay, awesome. A pretty good number. I almost have stopped asking that question because when I ask it to youth, nobody raises their hand. It's like, okay, you didn't make a resolution. I don't actually blame them because, I mean, how many of you have broken your resolution so far? Yeah, see, some people have gotten to the point where they're just like, it's over, I'm doomed. There's no reason for the resolution. I'm just going to break it anyways. Good news. There's actually coming up, January 17th, is National Ditch Your New Year's Resolution Day. So if you still have kept it, you have a specific day. All you have to do is make it to the 17th, and there's an actual day where you can say, I'm done, and move on. <laughs> I love National Day Ups. My youth students can tell you. I'm always like, on a Wednesday, a lot of times I'm like, all right, this National uh, Hot Chocolate Day. Here's hot chocolate. Or it's like, hey, here's National Hermit Cookie Day. I actually did not think those were going to be a big hit. Those were delicious. If you've never had a hermit cookie, look up a recipe, eat them. They're delicious. They have all like these nuts and berries in them. I really didn't think anyone would like them, but they are incredibly good. But we're at the beginning of another year. I like to compare each year of our life to a chapter in a book. So it's the book of our life. Each new year is a chapter. And as we begin a year, we get to choose what we're going to write in that chapter of our life. What are we going to write this year? 365 days that make up 2024, it's another chapter in your life, and it's a blank slate. You get to write in it whatever you want through the decisions you make. That's why at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to contemplate our lives, begin to analyze where we want to be, where we are, the distance between those two things, and that's where we get New Year's resolutions. We come up with something where like, you know, I want to try to put time and energy and focus on this thing. And so we come up with a resolution. Each new year is a good time to refocus. A time to decide what is really important in our life, what we want to achieve. I believe there are really many moments in our lives that bring to the forefront our need to refocus. For me, one of those moments was getting married. You have to kind of refocus when you get married. Me, I'm one of those guys, I will get on a project and work on it until like two in the morning. That doesn't work very well when you're married because my wife's like, hey, like, when are you coming to bed? She gets up early in the morning. And so it's like, if, if you come to bed late, then you're waking me up. So it's like, well, I might need to reprioritize that. 
Suddenly you realize that maybe, you know, you shouldn't spend quite as much time on video games or, you know, spend five hours reading a book straight. It was actually a video game. It was interesting. I went back and looked. I was the highest level because it was like how I connected with my friends and all that. And so it was something I put some time towards. But then it's like highest level, highest level, Mary Taylor or started dating Taylor. It's like, but that's okay. I reprioritized and that was important. Our seasons in life change. Seasons of life sometimes create that need to refocus. You graduate high school, you graduate college, you become a young adult, you're single, you're dating, you're married, married with young kids, married with teenagers, empty nester, retired, a single parent, all these different seasons of life. There's a need to refocus because you're like, well, things aren't what they used to be. I mean, you can't have the same mentality you had in high school and be a good parent. You got to... You got to change a few things. Your priorities have to change a little. To be successful and effective in each season, there has to be change. There has to be a refocus. Just like you don't wear a heavy coat in the summer or you know, need sunscreen in the winter, as the physical seasons change, there's some things that shift. In our life, the seasons we go through, it creates a change, a shift. Your priorities, your time management have to change and shift. Big life events, positive or negative, will sometimes create that moment where we're like, we need to refocus. Whether it be a marriage, whether it be a divorce, having kids, sometimes an illness or a tragedy. There's many different big life moments where you find that need to refocus. Struggles in life can create that need to kind of take a step back and say, what's going on and how can I move forward? It could be um, stress. You're overwhelmed with stress, and so you kind of have that need to kind of pull back and say, what can I change so the stress is no longer creating the problem in my life? Refocus is essential and necessary for a healthy and balanced life. For us to reach our dreams, for us to pursue Christ, there will be those moments where refocus is essential. We can't keep the same priorities if we want to see change in our life. Every single year, I create goals and vision for that year, and how effective I am at actually achieving those comes down to where is my focus? Where's my time? Focus equals effectiveness. Let me give you some examples. If you're focused on education, if you want to gain some knowledge in some area, then you are going to become more knowledgeable. If you put a higher focus on being a good parent, the relationship with your children is going to increase. It's going to become more rich. If you come to a point where you're like, I need to put more focus on being a good spouse, that relationship will probably become more intimate, more healthy because you have put that emphasis upon it. Someone who focuses time and effort on their job, it will increase productivity. Your focus equals what you're effective at. Here's where the problem comes in though. Focus also requires time. How many of you know it can be hard to find time for everything? We have 24 hours, 1,440 minutes. And there's a thousand and one things that want our attention. So imagine these blocks here representing your time. Well, you got to have some for God, some for family, some for work. Well, some more for God. You got to have sleep in there somewhere because if you don't sleep, then you die. So you have some more blocks over here. And then you have a goal, a dream. You need to put some time towards that, some focus. Yeah, one block left, where's it going to go? Oh yeah, I got to have some time with kids too. And suddenly you're like, I have all my time filled. And there's still more things you want to accomplish. 
So you have to figure out which one of these blocks, which ones of these groups of time gets moved, and you can keep moving them around from one area to another, but at the end of the day, you only have so many. And at the end of the day, where you put them, where you put your focus, where you put your time, that represents what's going to get accomplished, what you're going to do the most of. Where is your time going? Where is your focus? That's why we have to refocus, because if we always put our time where we've always put it, if we never make a change there, then we'll always accomplish what we've always accomplished. Nothing's going to be different. We're not going to become more effective in anything if we don't make a change. If you want something to improve, there must be an increase in focus. The reason why a lot of people don't keep their New Year's resolutions is they don't change focus. They don't put any more time or effort towards it, and so it, that focus or that resolution, it dies because there wasn't enough focus given to it. Let me give you a few more examples of the need for focus. If there's a certain temptation, struggle that you have in your life and you keep struggling with it, the reason is you haven't shifted your focus. Whenever there's something you need to overcome, you have to replace that some, with something else. You have to put, shift your focus to another area in order to overcome it. If there's a relationship problem that you're experiencing, it's typically because there's a wrong focus. Maybe you haven't increased the focus on the relationship. And so the, the relationship is starving. It's not healthy. Or maybe the focus is not balanced. Your focus shapes your direction. It shapes your future. It shapes your destiny. In Joshua 1.8, God tells Joshua, study the book of instruction, the Bible, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God says something similar to the psalmist in Psalms 1. He says, you know, but thy delight, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, meditate upon these things. It's this idea of meditate. Part of the definition is focus. You got to focus on something in order to see change. Imagine focus is your steering wheel. Whatever direction it's going in, that's where your life's going. So as we start a new year, where is your focus? Are you satisfied in every area of your life? Or is there some refocusing that needs to happen? Is your current direction taking you towards your dreams, towards your goals? Is your current focus increasing your relationship with God? For just a few moments today, I want to explore with you the power of focusing, help equip you so you can effectively focus, refocus, and achieve your goals this year. So that when 2025 arrives, you can say, I'm closer to God than ever before. I'm more alive and fulfilled than ever before. I'm more equipped than ever before. I'm healthier as an individual than ever before because your focus was right. Today, our passage in scripture will be very familiar to you. It's the story of Moses at the burning bush. Before I get into the story, let me read you from the book of Acts where it kind of summarizes a story. Someone's preaching on Moses, kind of like I am. And so they summarize a story. It says in Acts chapter 7, At that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, raised him as her own son. Moses was taught in all the wisdom of Egypt. He was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. 
He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and he avenged him, killing the Egyptian. The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. Moses, he fights the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again. He saw two men of Israel fighting. He said to them, men, your brothers, why are you fighting each other? But the man, the wrong, pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian, there his two sons were born. Moses knew God had a calling, a plan on his life. He was supposed to help the Israelites. He goes, he tries to do it. It doesn't work. They reject him. They say, Moses, we don't want anything to do with you. So Moses, he goes to the land of Midian. He gets married, meets a beautiful young lady at a well, has some children, and he spends the next 40 years tending sheep for his father-in-law. He wanders through the desert, looks at the same mountains, the same watering holes, the same vegetation, the same paths over and over and over again. Pretty soon, I mean, it's, he just walks through life and you know, oh yeah, that's that you know, water hole there. I got 10 miles to go before I reach that pasture. He knows the area like the back of his hand. He's just going through the motions. He's not necessarily fulfilled, but this is life. He's accepted this is what his life's going to look like. His focus is no longer saving a nation. Moses is discouraged. He feels somewhat like his dreams are dead. His focus has shifted drastically from the moment when he appeared to the Israelites and tried to help them. He's reached the age, he's 80 years old now. He's thinking about, you know, probably some grandkids, retirement. You know, what's, what's going to happen with the herd of sheep? Saving a nation really is not his focus. But then one day, Moses, he's just going along, tending his sheep. Sun's beating down him. He's looking across the surroundings. You know, he, he knows he's got to get to that next pasture. The sheep are getting restless. As he just walks along, you know, it's a very normal average trip. He scans the horizon and there's a bush. The bush is on fire. He goes back to tending his sheep, but out of curiosity, looks back and the bush is still on fire, but it's not being consumed. The bush is there. There's fire all around it, but it's not burning up. Now, Moses, he's been in this wilderness for a long time. There is no plant that's flame resistant. It should be burning. So he said, I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to see what this is. Now, if you're a shepherd and you leave the sheep, the sheep are going to scatter. So this, this has really got his attention because he's making a big sacrifice here. He's going to have to spend some time rounding up sheep when he gets done here. But he's going to go investigate. Exodus 3. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face. He was afraid to look at God. The Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perivites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites now live. That's a lot of ites. Look, I, the crime people of Israel have reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. God said, hey, Moses, your focus was over here. I'm refocusing you. You got to go back. Sounds great. This was Moses' dream. He was going to help the people of Israel. He got rejected. Now God's like, go and do it. But Moses, he's a little concerned now. He's a little uncertain. Moses protested to God. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses had a bad focus. Moses goes on to say in verse 13, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? God replies, I am that I am. Next chapter, Exodus 4, 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? God gives Moses some signs and wonders to show them, to let them know it is God. Verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. And I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. In verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. God gave Moses signs. God tells Moses what to say. God reassures him. I read you five verses of Moses protesting. There's about 25 verses around it, though, of God explaining the plan to Moses, encouraging Moses, showing Moses signs. Moses should have had the confidence to go. Why was Moses so sure he was going to fail? The reason was he had a wrong focus. Moses had to refocus before he could obey God, before his dream could become a reality, before Moses could change the world he had to refocus. What are you going to have to refocus on before you reach the potential God has for you? What area of your life are you neglecting because you're like, I can't do that. That dream's dead now. That challenge is too much. Moses was going to lead two million people plus out of Egypt. He was going to be known as a man who saw God face to face like a man talks to his friend. At one point, Moses' face, it's glistening because he spent so much time in God's presence. We can read it and be like, Moses, why didn't you just go? Moses didn't have the Bible to read. He couldn't just read ahead a few chapters and see what God was going to do. If he had, that would have been a lot simpler. He had to look at his current situation and in that moment, his focus was one of uncertainty, fear. And so he said, God, I can't do it. What will God do in your life when you allow him to refocus you? We see what God did in Moses' life. What will God do in yours? I have three points today. Number one, what lens are you looking through? What lens are you looking through? Over here, I have my pair of glasses. I brought, brought them today. I have my contacts in, so I don't necessarily need them. But when I was 12 years old, I ended up needing glasses. Turns out, you're supposed to actually be able to see the leaves on a tree. 
Turns out you're supposed to actually be able to see, you know, the outline of the clouds. It's not just supposed to be a blob in the sky. You know, it's funny sometimes I'm, I'm married. Taylor has perfect vision. So every once in a while, she's like, hey, Sam, look at this. Or, hey, Sam, how does this look? I mean, you know, you know, all the different things. And I'm like, I don't have my contacts in. I have no idea. Like, I kind of like, squint a little. If you don't have a right lens on, things are a little bit blurry, a little bit fuzzy because you don't have the glasses. You don't have the lens. I finally, a few years ago, got a pair of sunglasses because guess what? If you don't have sunglasses and you're driving into the sun, you can't see because you don't have a lens that corrects it where the level of light is not blinding. There's lots of different types of glasses. You have 3D glasses so you can go to the movie and things can pop out of the screen. You go, ah, and whatever else. You have those like, glasses you give your kids that have little like, oh, like prisms around the edges so you see all the like cool colors and they love them. There's all kinds of different glasses. But each of them have a purpose because they have a lens, and that lens does something. Whatever lens you see your world through, that will impact your ability to follow God. Moses had a lens of fear and insecurity. The bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. God is physically appearing to Moses. But Moses' response is, I can't do it can't do it. It's too much. I'm not a good speaker. They won't believe me. If you look in the Bible, Moses made lots of powerful speeches. This is the guy who stands before an entire nation and says, thus saith the Lord. You know, this is the law. You got to follow it. He has all these speeches and it never once says that he stuttered. But in this moment, he's like, I can't do it. What lens are you looking through? How do you view your life? Do you look at things through a lens of doubt, fear, lens of resentment? There's somebody who's hurt you a lot. Maybe the future looks a little uncertainty. So you're looking at things through the lens of uncertainty. I don't know if I can do that. Do I want to take that risk? There's uncertainty involved. Maybe it's anxiety. You're struggling with anxiety and that lens tints everything. It makes it harder to have good relationships, harder to trust people, harder to move forward in life because there's that anxiety. Everything you see is tinted by anxiety. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's stress. What is shaping the world around you? It's very hard to focus if you don't have the right lens. I wear glasses. I can tell you it's very hard to focus if you don't have the right lens. We need a lens of faith. Your dreams, your goals, God's purpose for you will only be achievable with the lens of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That lens changes everything. God has some great things for each of us, but we have to believe. Here's the interesting thing. So often our dreams look impossible because when God created you, he created you and I to have a relationship with him. He never meant for you to reach your purpose on your own. He never meant for you to achieve the dream on your own. So it looks impossible because on your own it is. It was meant to be you and God walking hand in hand and achieving it together. And so until you have the faith, until you connect to God, faith is that connection to God's power. Until you plug in to God's power, it will look impossible. Do you have the lens of faith? We serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. But we have to have 
faith. How many of you can testify to the powerful God we serve? He's a God of wonders, but we got to have faith. The lens you have doesn't change what is around you, but it does change what you see and how you respond. See, your problems are still there. You can have a lens of faith, but the problem is still there. You can have the same struggle, whether you have a lens of hope or a lens of doubt. Like the the things around you don't change with the lens, but how you respond do. Because when you know God's with you, when you know he's going to make a way, then it doesn't matter. The problem's still there, but with his help, you're going to get through it. You're going to overcome it. That dream might look a million miles away, but God. When we realize that there's a but God in our life, if we just attach to him and seek him, he will do great things. That makes a difference. Do you have a lens of faith? We need the correct lens to refocus. One of my favorite movies is a holiday movie. It's a wonderful life. How many of you have seen the movie? Yeah. So it's about a young man who he's lived his entire life just trying to help everybody around him. And he reaches the point where he's like, it's not worth it anymore. I'm about to lose everything. I'm just going to kill myself. I'm worth more dead than alive. I haven't accomplished that much. And then an angel appears to him and he gets to see what the world would have looked like if he hadn't ever lived. And he starts to realize all the people he's impacted, all the things he's accomplished. He suddenly gets a new focus, a new view of life. Suddenly he's like, you know what? I did make a difference. My life has impacted people around me. That movie makes me cry every time because it really reminds you of what your life does. It gives him a refocus. It refocuses him. Suddenly in the movie, his problems aren't so big because he has all these friends. He's all these people who love him, who are willing to help him. And he sees it's a wonderful life. For those of you who love Marvel, another good example might be Tony Stark. He's Iron Man. And in the first movie, he, he's a billionaire who doesn't care. But then suddenly he gets captured. He realizes, you know, this terrorist organization is creating problems and he becomes Iron Man because he's like, I realize it's a problem and I've wasted my life just being selfish and I want to try and help people now. It was a refocus. His focus shifted. If your view, if the lens is incorrect, then it's very hard to refocus because you can't see clearly. Number two, will you believe? So you gotta have the right lens, but then will you believe? Moses, he stood there. He's looking at a burning bush. He has to make the biggest decision of his life. Does he believe? It's gonna change everything if he believes. If he says, all right, God, you're right. I can do this. It's going to change everything. He's no longer going to be a shepherd. He's no longer going to be wandering around the wilderness. He's going to be standing before Pharaoh saying, let my people go. Thus says the Lord. Does he believe he can do it? Does he believe that God is with him? What area of your life do you need to shift focus in? Where do you need to take focus away from? Take it from here and put it over here. Where do you need to make that shift? You only have so many blocks or pieces of focus, so much time. You only have so much. Changes in your life require you to redistribute it, but you will only do that if you truly believe it's worth it. It's going to make a difference. A while back, I was taking a course on marriage counseling. 
And they, one, one of the things they tell you is, whenever you're working with a couple, solve a small problem first. Because if they, you solve something small and suddenly they're like, wait, it works. Then they believe in the process. They believe if they keep going, things are going to get better. And because of that belief, then they'll put the focus, the time, the energy, the work into it, and it will actually be more likely to be successful. My mother, she's here today, and she... <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> she's a writer. And one of the things, you know, her writing stuff that she's learned is, you know, you got to have a good opening line, a good opening paragraph, a good opening chapter, because if people don't believe the book's going to be wonderful, they'll stop reading. There has to be a belief. If you truly are going to pursue that goal, if you're going to keep that New Year's resolution, if you're going to achieve what God has for you, you have to believe it's possible. You have to believe God's with you and you have to believe it can be done. The greatest men and women of the Bible, they all came to this moment of they believed. Hebrews 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. It's all about people who said, I believe. It may seem impossible. I may have no idea what's going to happen, how it's going to turn out, but I believe what God says is true. They put their time, their energy, their focus, everything into saying, I'm going to pursue God with all my heart. Your faith, your marriage, your dreams, your hopes, your plans, all of it, everything comes down to belief. If you believe that God's with you, if you know he, you're following him, then you can pursue it with all your heart. If you don't believe something, then it will not influence you or shape your life. If you truly want to refocus, then you have to believe. What do you want to accomplish in 2024? Do you truly believe it's worth the time, the effort? If you do, then you're more likely to put that focus into it that's necessary for success. Moses believed. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 29 to 31, it talks about he's now, he's arrived in Egypt. Moses and Aaron, they returned to Egypt. They called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard the Lord was concerned about them and they seen the, had seen their misery, they bowed down, they worshiped. Moses believed, and it started him on a path, a trajectory that would last the rest of his life. Do you believe the dream or goal is worth the effort? Do you believe what God has laid on your heart for this year? Do you believe the relationship can change? The finances can improve. The problem or challenge can go away. The situation can be different at the end of this year. Are you ready to refocus? I close today with this, number three. Will you pursue it? We can mentally realize we need to change our focus. Okay, we realize that, we understand it. We can deal with the negative lens that messed up our perception. We can believe that whatever area is worth focusing on, now it comes down to action. Are you willing to do it? James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Breath represents life. Action represents faith or belief. If you don't believe it, then you're not going to put it into action. You got to take action. For me, one of my favorite hobbies, I love playing board games. And so I enjoy collecting them. I, I believed I wanted more board games. <laughs> 
So I put that belief into action and I started buying more this last year. This is, last year I bought 11 board games. I calculated that up for today. I'm, I'm like, that's kind of concerning that I bought 11 new ones or was gifted them. It's kind of funny, we were doing our wedding registry and I'm like, board game, board game, board game. Taylor's like, Sam, you need to put some more stuff on the registry. I'm like, board game. She's like, you can't just put board games. I'm like, James Stewart movie. She's like, Sam, I'm like, power tool, board game. Whatever you think is important, whatever you're focusing on, you got to put action behind it. You know, a year and a half ago, I met Taylor, a little over a year and a half. And when she walked into that room, I said, that's the girl I want to know more. We spent the night, thankfully, the, board, the game we were playing, board games, or card games in that case, it was one of those, you know, get to know your games. So I learned a little bit more about her, and the more I learned about her, the more I'm like, I really want to get to know her. I really want to date her. I had that belief. Now it came down to action. I had to take action. I had to do something. I spent all evening trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was not coming up with very many good ideas. Finally, last ditch effort, I'm like, as we were about to leave, I'm like, do you prefer handshakes or hugs? Hinting to her, I'm willing to hug her. I know it probably sounds not that great. She looks back at me and she's like, I take a hug, I guess. My self-confidence plummeted. I'm like, she does not sound interested at all. I'm like, okay, this is, this is over. This didn't work. But she texted me the next day and we started talking back and forth. And then six weeks later, I'm like, I'm going to tell her I love her. I'm going to put it into action. But meeting someone and six weeks later saying, I love you, that's not a good idea. Rushed it a little bit, but I put action behind it. And I'm married, so the action worked. <laughs> We can believe something, but if we don't act on it, nothing changes. This is a new year. It's a new opportunity to take action. What do you believe God's calling you to accomplish this year? What do you want to see changed? When this new year of 2025 happens, where do you want to be at in life? What do you believe can improve this year? And I want to give you a warning, don't dream too small. Get that lens of faith. Look through it and say, that dream looks big, but I can do it. That problem looks huge, but I can do it through God. Through God, I can do all things. Look through that lens of faith and say, next year, I'm gonna be in a whole different spot because this year I'm gonna take some steps of faith. I'm gonna put some things in action and my life's gonna change because God's power is going to be in my life. Believe that as you refocus, as you shift time and energy, things will change and then take the action. Put your focus and time into it. See the success. God has a plan for your life. I believe it. I've spent all this morning <laughs> crying off and on as the Lord just deals with me on this topic as I just, as I got ready for this. I truly believe God has great things for you, for me, for this church. We just have to have a focus. We got to refocus. We can't do things like we've always done them. In Deuteronomy 34, it describes Moses' legacy when he dies. He's led Israel for 40 years and it says, there's never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts 
in the sight of all Israel. It's saying that Moses did great things, but it all came down to a moment at a burning bush where Moses stood there and said, am I willing to go? Will I obey God? Do I trust him? An entire legacy hung in the balance as he looked and had to decide, am I willing to shift my focus? What's God going to do in your life if you're willing to shift your focus? It's time to refocus. God doesn't want 2024 to be a carbon copy of 2023. Some things need to be different this year. There's some new goals, some new dreams, some new plans and mile markers and victories God wants to give you. I don't want to have a carbon copy of 2023. I love being married, but that's a big project, planning a marriage, planning a wedding. I don't want to plan another wedding. Neither of us do. I spent most of 2023 living in an apartment by myself. I don't want to do that again. I like having a wife. I like having a, being in a house. I'm ready for something new. God has something great planned for this year. Let's make sure we have the right focus to see those great plans come to pass. If you could stand as we close. I would like to invite the prayer partners to make their way to the front. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're in this room today and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You haven't made the choice to say, God, forgive me. I've made some mistakes. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Maybe that's where your focus needs to shift this year. Maybe you need to refocus and say, God, I'm not going to do things my way anymore. I'm going to do them your way. I'm going to choose to follow you. I'm going to choose to let you guide me. So right now, maybe that's what you need. I want to lead and you want God to lead and guide your life. If you want to accept Jesus as your savior, now is the moment. This is the moment to believe and to take action. So if you want to accept Jesus as your savior, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you down front. I just want the opportunity to pray with you. Is there anyone who would like to make that choice here today? Looking all across the room. As we stand here, I just want each of you in the, to just take a moment and search your heart for a moment. Is your focus and priorities right going into 2024? Do you feel positioned for victory, for success? Are there some things that need to shift in your life? It could be refocusing on some things you've been neglecting. It could be deciding to pursue that goal that you just haven't reached yet. It could be deciding that I need to change some things here or change some things there. But if you need to refocus, would you raise your hand so I could pray with you? Just say, Sam, I need to refocus this year. I need to change a few things. I need God to do something in my life. I need to put some blocks of priority somewhere else so I can see something change. Thank you, I see the hands, I see the hands. In just a moment, I want to invite you to come down and find one of these prayer partners. They are powerful men and women of God. They will pray with you. The Bible talks about the prayer of agreement. When you agree with someone in prayer, that's powerful. There's a power to that. 
see, coming down here, praying with one of these prayer partners, that's a first step. It's an action saying, God, I've raised my hand. I've said, I know I need to. You believe there's some shifting, some refocusing needs to happen. Now you're going to actually take a step of faith. God wants this to be the year where you achieve great things for Him. If you raised your hand for needing to refocus this year, I want to invite you to come down here, find a prayer partner and just tell them something about what you got going on. Just pray with them. Let them agree with you in faith, believing that God is going to do something great this year. The musicians are gonna play and I'll come back in a minute. But I just wanted to give you guys a moment, whether you're in your seats or down here with prayer partners, just to pray and refocus as we begin 2024. Throughout this year, I pray and hope you will have a renewed focus. Let's find God, give hope, and do life together throughout this year. Let's pursue God with everything inside us. Let's have a renewed focus and let's see where God takes us this year because I believe it's gonna be great. God bless, you are dismissed. If you wanna stay, we are undecking the halls today. We're gonna be taking down some Christmas decorations. We would love your help. If you have time, we'd like to stay around for that. Thank you all, have a wonderful week.